0: Welcome to the Sunflower Conversations, where we explore the hidden disability sunflower and its role in supporting people with hidden disabilities.
1: Hi, I'm Chantal, and joining me today on the Sunflower Conversations is Lindsay Rowe-Gidley. Hi, Lindsay, how are you? Hi,
0: I'm good, how are you, Chantal?
1: Uh, Lindsay, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, please?
0: Well, I'm Lindsay, um, I've, I've got hidden disabilities,
1: dyspraxia, dyscalculia and dyslexia. Your first diagnosis was of dyspraxia when you were in year six, did you say? Yeah. So um, for people that don't know, can you explain what dyspraxia is, please? Yeah,
0: it's like a coordination um, difficulty. Um, we have a delayed reaction to things. Um, like, I, thought, I think it's four seconds and it's like, uh, we trip over things. We don't pick up social cues. It affects different people in different ways. For me, I'm cause clumsy. I've got no filter. Mum constantly getting into trouble for that. <laughs> um, my not not knowing the left from the right. Can't tie shoelaces. And it's just difficult doing everyday tasks.
1: So, what was it that the teachers or your mum or whoever it was um, thought? Okay, well, I think. Uh, we need to um, see what's happening with Lindsay. What was it that kind of flagged up to your um, adults around you that perhaps you needed to get a diagnosis? I couldn't talk
0: till I was three. Um, I found it difficult to do the everyday tasks, um, like trying shoelaces and doing other stuff. And i just take to the doctors and just say, oh, she's just a bit slow, oh, she's just a bit delayed, oh, she just got like, uh, comes the comes a child syndrome. What happened was my mum was reading the paper, the paper one day and there was a, there's a lad with a description of uh, distraction in this paper and then she shouted, I, remember, I still remember this day like yesterday, I was in the bedroom she shouted at me and going, Lindsay, Lindsay, this is you. I'm like, what? What's me? Uh, this lad's got something called distraction, it's about everything that you stuffed with and you, you, you have... So I read it myself and she read it out to me i was like, oh my God, it is. So, and then she found it really difficult to get me a diagnosis. She had to go, right, like, the school wouldn't take it on. She had to go to the head of um, the child, is it called like the China diagnosis team or whatever, wherever you go anyway. And far from the diagnosis.
1: And then when I got a diagnosis, yeah, it just all made sense. It's sad to hear that your mum then had to fight to get the diagnosis, you know, like you were in year six, so you'd already done a lot of your formative education. Got me
0: diagnosed at the beginning of year six because obviously she wanted me to go to a special needs school. Mm. So we needed to get all this diagnosis for, for, el- for being el- el- eligible to go
1: to a special needs school. So you did go to the special needs school? Yeah, yeah. And they were able to um, to really um, help you specifically with the dyspraxia and the um, the challenges that you face with that. And then is that where your dyslexia was discovered? Uh, no, my dyslexia didn't pick
0: up till I was nineteen. I thought it was always part of my dyspraxia, writing and stuff like that. And it was like the Prince's Trust program, and then they picked it up and said to me. You not know, think you've got dyslexia. Like, right? what's that? It's like writing and difficulty reading. Quad, like, writing things and seeing words jumbled up. and I want you to get a diagnosis. So I said, well, I don't know because i got dyspraxia and I thought it was always part of that. But so I said, there's no harm in just going and getting a diagnosis test. So I did, and then that's when I got diagnosed with dyslexia.
1: And the final D, dyscalculia?
0: Yeah, I diagnosed that
1: myself and <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> well, I always struggle
0: all numbers and stuff. I need to go and get that proper diagnosis. But
1: so what? So 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 um, for someone who doesn't know what dyslexia is, you touched on it briefly. Yeah. What, what does that mean for you? My, dyslexia
0: for me is I have I can read and write, but I have tr- uh, trouble interpreting what people saying, and sometimes I can read like. The word's wrong with like, this, this, this poem. I always get who for how mixed up and what for where. Constant confusion sends me in such delusion. When the eight-year-old niece tells me to put the comma there, it send me in despair. Used in the dictionary, send me everywhere. I just want to tear out my hair. Why don't you go to English class, they say, so I can sit there look daft because I can't spell the word back. What's that word? the constant edit. It like, doesn't make sense. This is constantly making me tense. When you can't play Scrabble or Google, constantly have to use Google. Do you want a yellow and blue sheet, sitting there trying to admit defeat? What's that word? Dyslexia. What does it matter? Can't spell it anyway. So that's like that's
1: good. I think we should say at this point that um, Lindsay is a poet. Yeah, (laughs) I'm on to
0: that. Sorry, come on to that. We'll random poetry that.
1: then that's all right you I love that thank you for doing that um and sharing that with us so uh so that's uh dyslexia for you and dyscalculia have I said it correctly dyscalculia yeah
0: it's dys- like the numbers and stuff like that so your mum was the wrong way around like I was getting 96 and 69 mixed up and other stuff like you know I don't see numbers properly, and I don't like with maths. I really struggle with maths.
1: I was going to say, does that mean it's not just the seeing; it's also the computing of numbers as well? Yeah, and adding and taking away and multiplying. What but... you are listening to the Sunflower Conversations with Chantal. to share your story and find out more information. Details are in the show notes.
0: There's many things that I've achieved in my life and stuff that i my proud because my mum's always encouraged me. Yeah. Like never to
1: let it stop you. So, so your disability is not disabling. Yeah. it's, it's this is what different. I said. It's not disability, it's an ability. What tools have you learnt to, um, to help you with that? Well,
0: mostly like doing everything on my computer. So I can zoom in on the text, I can use text reader to read it on the phone to get text reader to read it out. Um, I use some uh, software like Grammarly and other stuff.
1: I send audio files. How does that mean you interact with the world? Like, what challenges do you face? Well, I I pick up,
0: sometimes I get myself in a lot of trouble because I end up having no filter. I've lived a sort of isolated life. I've only had a few friends that I've known from school and because they were like, Married and settled down and stuff like that, I really, like just sort of like not being able to go out and socialize much, sort of been too much in the comfort
1: zone, uh, struggled in relationships. It's the social connection, really, is what it's yeah. impacted in on, on mostly. Oh, tripping all part,
0: getting food down there. Yeah, my the best mate always comes uh, comments saying I should get you a big bib,
1: a big bib. Yeah, <laughs> With a scoop thing on the bottom yeah.
0: like that, really. <laughs> I could just shove it over my mouth right?
1: <laughs> What coping strategies have you um, started to use because if you don't notice that someone is unhappy with what you're saying
0: Well I'm trying to like apologise now if you've upset them and said sorry I didn't mean to upset you by saying that if I recognise that I've upset them um, I'm trying to get yourself out of comfort zone trying to throw myself into more and more social situations so I can learn and pick up like how to interact, how to like what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. Tell people about the dyspraxia. Um, sometimes you overcompensate the dyspraxia and trying to fit in your like you're meeting new people, like show off. And I was just like, oh sorry, I got dyspraxia and stuff like that. And and they're like, they'll either accept it or not. And if they don't accept it, I don't see him again.
1: Yeah, yeah. So you're just quite open.
0: You no, know, there's only so much that I can do.
1: Yeah. And I think if you're being honest and open and letting people know, then it's up to them to decide, isn't it? Um, but you've mentioned you've got a best friend. Yeah. the
0: best yeah. friend of the, like 30 odd years.
1: Oh, that's nice. That's good. So is it a, a lady or...? Oh, yeah, a girl, yeah. Girl, I, yeah, yeah. So, oh, call
0: Sarah, but because she's only like five, five foot one, uh, I call her Titch. <laughs> she called me Big Lins because we used to have a friend called Lindsay, so we used to call the Big Lins.
1: <laughs> so she she knows you inside out and yeah. it's your... And she's client. got four
0: kids and you absolutely adore her four kids as well. I like my own. So mm-hmm. we have got a really understanding family.
1: And that's how, that if they're understanding, it's supportive, isn't it?
0: Yeah, definitely. And my mum's always drive and pushed me to achieve things, even things that I don't want to do. i do not giving that, I'll just give it a go. At been point, we always go in, we always like for food, me and my mum. We always go on courses together and we do stuff. Tell us about your poetry.
1: Can you tell well, us about it? How did you get into it and how do you use it?
0: Well, I started using them. Um, poetry when I was 18 because um, the family situation uh, was really destructive. Um, so I ended up moving. I went into, vol- my dad left through the destruction of them, right? the family and then so I just ended up moving to a hostel. I volunteered to move into a hostel because I was getting really angry and frustrated with my mom and stuff like that and my sister. And it wasn't fair on them. And then going through all the motions and stuff of being like in this hostel on my own. And I know I had like support staff there and my best friend was there. But like first time living in your own little flat and even though you got support, it's still like the emotions are very difficult. So and then I then just started writing poetry just for myself, just to get my feelings out there. Because I always struggle with expressing myself Um, never showing anyone, just kept it to myself. And then one day I just shown it a person I trust, like one of the staff members. And I showed her and she said, You're very talented, Windsor." When she read it, he said, you should like do more of this. And then I just started to like think of things and writing poetry and started like doing my poetry, like there at the open mic and the feedback I getting and it's so positive and then. To think on around random posit- poems on the on the
1: on the walking uh, walking on the way around there and just stem from there. So Lindsay is going to be um the judge in um the um uh, Invisible Disabilities and Me um, poetry competition that we are launching. Um, she's going to be one of our three esteemed judges. Um, Lindsay um, not only writes her own poetry but she also runs workshops. So can you tell us about those, Lindsay?
0: Yeah, and I've got the workshops off the ground yet. I'm waiting to get people after New Year and stuff like that. And people have been, a lot of people having COVID and stuff like that. So Um, I'm looking to like get people to interview and maybe run like workshops on Zoom or something to have their experiences about being judged and I want it open to up now not people with hidden disabilities but to LGBTQ community and stuff like that and interview people and then once I've got their experiences I can turn that into a big video at the end or do poetry with it or just like and then send it out to people just to make them aware you know this is what people have been through We'll cut this and then just share their experiences and to enable them to give them advice and maybe like on campaign to change uh, like to parliament I don't know the possibilities are endless.
1: That would be a really awesome project and um, you volunteer, um, where is it you volunteer? Is it with Shelter? Yeah, with Shelter, yeah. Uh, and do you use any of your poetry when you're there? Yeah, but that's like um,
0: a group coordinator for art and wellbeing for the last two years. And you used a lot of your poetry and they've gone in uh, uh, various things like Arthur and Martha and other competitions and stuff like that uh, and exhibitions that we've had,
1: we've had through there. You are listening to the Sunflower Conversations with Chantal. To share your story, details are in the show notes. You tackle really um, hard subjects, you know, um, real subjects that really matter. And by using your skill as a as, with poetry, you're able to relate that to somebody who might not have even, you know, thought about Part that it. particular it topic. Can be,
0: it can be really triggering for people that have experienced it, but... I like, I like to like, express how I think it is and how I feel about that subject and to look at it right like, with my poem. I want people to look at it on their
1: perspective. Would you feel comfortable to recite uh, one of your poems um, for, for us and our audience now? Yeah, which one would you like? Well, why don't we go for um, Don't Judge Me? Don't judge what you can't
0: see. As I'm sat in the disabled or elderly seat on the bus, the disgust of passengers with their prying eyes, trying to flare my anxiety with their demoralising glare, makes me want to pull my face down in shame. Like I'm the blame for my dyspraxia, the passengers and the customer think I'm playing a game, just making the elderly walk, walk, ashamed to the back of the bus. I can hear all the fuss and the chatter on the bus. Why she sat there? She doesn't look disabled. She's perfectly able. She should be disgusted with herself. Not wanting to help, the elderly or infirmed. The words are burning me like a knife in my chest. Why is she not leaving that seat free? In case anyone in a wheelchair that needs it. I will sit somewhere else with those that need it. But you don't mean to make me feel defeated. I'm set in the right seat, so don't judge or don't stare when you don't know what's going on there. So don't, don't
1: judge what you can't see. Beautiful. What do you notice about other people's reactions to your health conditions? You said that you try to explain.
0: Mostly, it is positive, but sometimes I do get the odd person that just takes really offence and gets
1: really upset um, when they try to apologise, just ignore me. So you started recently wearing the sunflower. Has yeah. that helped?
0: Uh, yeah, it really has. So since I've been wearing it, I've got a lot of positive air, uh, people are showing kindness. Uh, I've gone in front of queues and stuff like that. What situations are you wearing the sunflower? Where, where do you wear it? I want to wear it all the time, everywhere. I'm sorry, speaking to you fantastic people, I want to even wear it more.
1: Well, um, I'll send you a replacement card. We can sort that out at the end. Oh, the thank interview. you. <laughs> um, and, and how did you? Um, how did you first find out about it? Well, I've heard of it. i heard of it a while ago.
0: Like a lot of people, like um, my, friend, my best friend who talked about their sons' them because they got autism. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've seen a lot of people wearing them. And then um, a girl did a, a documentary on hidden disabilities and disabilities. Um and you were talking about who invented the sunflower laneard because of his daughter and his difficulties and saying you should wear it even though you don't want to wear it but
1: just to be proud of your disability and stuff. What were the reactions that that were people did people smile at you? Were they kind? Did they Yeah there was just a it? lot
0: more I couldn't believe how much positive impact it had. Like people letting me go from the queue smiling at me. Uh, don't not not like, judging me sitting on the disability. Uh, just being really helpful,
1: and considerate. Would you um, recommend the sunflower to somebody else who has um, a non-visible disability? Yes, definitely. Yeah,
0: I'm proud of wearing it. Like like me, I didn't want to wear it at first because I. But since the have it's changed my perspective completely. And it's actually making me proud to wear it, thinking, well, oh, I've shown I've got a hidden disability and I'm not afraid to wear it.
1: You're keen to raise awareness generally, aren't you, of non-visible disabilities? You started a Facebook group to bring people together. What's yeah. the response been like?
0: Well, yeah, it's been really actual positive. I'm not, um, I'm not getting as much people to, like, comment on their own issues. to comment when I posted mine, but I wanted them to share it in the group. It was such a very topic pod, uh, topic, wasn't it? Not many people used to speak out about hidden disabilities and stuff like that. Yeah. And I think it's since COVID. I think that's one of, the, one of the positive things that's gone from COVID. And what are your hopes for the future, Lindsay? One of my plans is to get all the all the signs on disabled buses on the on the buses. I want a lot more um, nightclubs and other venues to be aware of hidden disabilities I went to Manhattan's on Saturday I spoke to the manager and he's to get involved in the campaign um an art studio in Manchester that does live art shows they're wanting to get involved so I'm just speaking to business owners
1: and to get the word out there and to make it more like you are know, acceptable. With how you are and your personality you'll definitely succeed as well um I think um, it would be really nice to end our chat with your new um, poem about his disabilities, if you're, if you're ready. Hidden disability, lanyard,
0: I don't want to do this. It angers me with the judgement within their prying eyes and demoralising glare at me. Shame me to say, I have to point it out in this way and make it obvious that I have a hidden disability. Why can they not just upset me for me without having to label myself? This is not good for my mental health. All these won't point at least uh, people won't point at me and look at me or judge me as much. Think I'm just being awkward and not following the rules or acting just like a fool and not wearing the mask and treating me like some sort of outcast or some pines in the gas. I'll give you COVID or want to take your seat on the bus. Disabled seat or elderly seat on the bus. I had to give in to defeat. The label round my head. The dread of, of humanity was like infested in my head. Now it started to wear it, it seems to ease the toxicity of to others because I feel pleased that I ease that I'm reassured that I have a hidden disability. It's made me proud that I have the ability to say that I have a hidden disability. And people treating me better with kindness and respect. I'm just acting myself. And now I wish I wore it from the start, because
1: it made me more confident and pride inside my heart. Lindsay, um, thank you so much for giving up your um, time to um, have a chat with us today. Um, I've learned a lot about um, the triple Ds, uh, dyscalculia, dyslexia and dyspraxia. And um, I personally think that uh, you have amazing um tenacity and perseverance uh, and hugely talented I'm in awe of your poetry skills I really am um, and um, you know thank you so much for taking part in this and I'm sure that our, our audience will really enjoy it as well.
0: If you'd like to share your sunflower story or conversation please email conversations at hiddendisabilitystore.com Find out more about us or listen to this recording again by checking out our Insights page at hiddendisabilitystore.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube and LinkedIn. Please help, have patience and show kindness to others and join us again soon. Making the invisible visible with the Hidden Disability Sunflower.